But cat owners are introverts. Introverted personalities can be extroverted as long as they have time to prepare for encounter. And what these health questionnaires do is it allows the cat owner to prepare for that visit. Welcome to the Sudervet Now What, the podcast. This is a show that serves as your audio mentor in your journey as a veterinarian. And each week, our awesome host, Dr. Mariah McCauley, will be bringing you insightful short-form interviews with happy, successful vets who are eager to share their career and clinical tips to make your life easier. So whether you're a final year vet student or a recent graduate, this podcast is your trusted companion on the pathway to success in veterinary medicine. Over to you, Mo. Welcome back to So You're a Vet, Now What? I am your host, Dr. Mariah McCauley. Today on the podcast, I am joined by Eric Garcia, the founder of Simply Done Tech Solutions. Eric first started in the veterinary profession as an IT administrator and quickly found his passion for supporting practices in the digital marketing space and as a world-renowned speaker. You may be asking, what does digital marketing even have to do with mentorship? Well, in today's episode, Eric sheds some light on the differences between cat and dog pet parents and what marketing research can teach us about how to better communicate with them. Regardless of what stage you are in in this career, this episode will help you improve your client communication, and I cannot wait to share it with you guys, so let's dive right in. All right, well, Eric, welcome to the show. Hi, it's so good to be here with you. This is fun. It's in a post-VMX world. I feel like, I don't know, it feels like a lot of time, but no time at all has passed since VMX. (laughs) I do feel like it was like months ago, but it it for sure was not even that long ago. (laughs) I literally was like, wait, how long ago was that? I was like, that's like a week, week and a half maybe. But regardless, a lot has happened since VMX. We actually got to meet in person at VMX, which is really cool. But we kind of riffed on some different ideas that would be awesome for the podcast today. And I'm really excited for what you have to bring to the show today, Eric, for these new grads, for these um, like new grads and the recent grads, because you do a lot of stuff in the digital marketing space. So give us a little synopsis, like what is your role within the veterinary profession? Yeah, absolutely. So I stumbled into profession while I was going through college. My background is in information management, but when I graduated school, I had the opportunity to continue to work in the profession, but my background is in information management and marketing. So I exclusively help uh, veterinary hospitals and animal health companies with their digital marketing and communication strategies. So finding all the tools that are necessary to help communicate value of care, but also trying to find the right technology to streamline efficiency and workflow. So it's great because everything's always evolving. And it's pretty much the area that veterinarians are honestly crap at. Like, we can fix animals, but we can't market that. We can't, like, not that we can't, but we're really bad at it. So we really appreciate having people like you um, that can come alongside us and be like, so, so actually you do want to like talk about this flea and tick preventative, um, like, or just whatever. Um, so really appreciate that. And like I said, I think you have a lot of value to bring to these new grads today because One of the talks that you gave at VMX, which I absolutely loved, it was, again, about digital marketing and kind of relaying, like, how do we take information and give it to different types of pet owners? But you talked about dog owners versus cat owners. And of course, like, the the, this room is packed, by the way, or at least from the angle it wasn't from where I was sitting. 
And it was interesting to see people that were like the cat owner category and then people that were the dog <laughs> owner category. And as you were talking, I could see them like talking to each other or like shifting in their seats to be like, oh, yeah, those cat owners. Or, oh, yeah, those dog owners. So I was like, oh, boy, it's getting spicy in here. <laughs> um, yeah. But um, bring us back to that talk. And like, I guess like when we're talking about like the reason we're talking about it yeah. is that even from a marketing standpoint, it's still very important, or I guess even from a communication standpoint, it is still very important to think about who our audience is. Like when we go into the consult room, are you talking to a, a dog owner, cat owner, owner of both and a dog and a cat? And honestly, the way you communicate with either of them is going to be slightly different based on what their values or what their goals are. And so bring us back to that talk and break that down for us. Like what is the main difference that you found between dog owners and cat owners? Yeah. So first off, it is important to recognize that they are two entirely different personas that we're communicating and marketing to. And cat owners have really been neglected in marketing and communications for a very long time. A lot of the communication and a lot of the ways that we communicate in the exam room, a lot of the marketing that we push out there, they're actually more fitting for the dog persona that it tends to engage more dog owners. And a few years ago, I had the opportunity to work on a, a few different uh, projects related to understanding the mindset of cat owners. And I have to tell you, I became so fascinated by it because there's dozens and dozens of studies that prove that there is a, a huge difference. And so when I use the term cat owner, it is important to kind of define that as someone who only owns a cat. So in a lot of the studies, if you owned a dog, then you were kind of excluded from this persona. But what we know about cat owners, and we could talk hours on this, so we'll summarize it, but we know that according to the American Association of Feline Practitioners, that there is a mindset that exists with cat owners. And that is that 51% of cat owners believe that their cats are low maintenance. 70% of cat owners don't actually believe that their cats hide symptom or illness. And then 81% of cat owners on top of that to further complicate things believe that their cats are in excellent health and self-sufficient. So if we were to summarize this mentality here, it's my cat doesn't really get sick. And if it does get sick, it's going to heal itself. Like it will work it out. And what we know about cats is that it's actually not true, especially medically speaking, right? When cats aren't feeling well, they become reclusive. But because of that reclusive nature being somewhat normal to cats, you don't often realize that there's disease until it's far progressed along. And because they believe that their cats are going to heal themselves, it becomes problematic. So when we look at the opportunity, well, how are we going to, let's talk about a marketing standpoint, how are we going to overcome this thought process that, that they have? And a lot of that boils down to proactive client education and, and pushing that out through the various means of marketing. That is so cool. And like, as you're talking, I'm like, this makes so much sense with basically all of our clients that they come in. And of course, like, I always feel like it's a little bit more of a challenge in some respects to get them to do preventative health care for their pets, which number one is bringing them to the vet for a yearly <laughs> wellness. Like that is number one. But then you talk about vaccines and blood work and cat owners are a little bit more resistant to those recommendations than a dog owner is in some respect, just from the fact that they never even show up in the consult room. <laughs> so yeah. to hear that they they do feel that, oh, my cat is not really going to get sick, but if they do get sick, they're going to fix themselves. 
Whereas as a doctor, I do know that if a cat comes in and a client's like, yeah, this thing is kind of happening, chances are that cat is really sick and something really bad is going on. So it is interesting to hear, again, like what clients are perceiving about these pets. And what you're outlining there, really, there's two opportunities to improve that, right? So one is, and you kind of talked about, well, getting them there to begin with, right? So interestingly enough, cat owners, they're considered to be thinkers. So thinkers are people who respond well to education. Uh, Cat owners, according to studies, tend to actually have a higher level of education than typical dog owners do. And they respond well to education. And so when we think about, say, for example, what we're pushing on social media, what we're pushing on our websites, what we're pushing in our email reminders, we're not really doing a lot to educate cat owners who want that education. You know, I often hear when it comes to social media practices, we'll say things like, you know, I share some education and, and no one does anything with it. And there are many reasons as to why that is. One of the core reasons is that we do so in a way that fails to engage. But the other uh, reason for that is, or that the opportunity exists is if you actually share something related to cat education, so anything about helping a cat owner understand the importance of preventive care. And there's a great Harvard study that shows that cat owners respond well to preventive-based claims and marketing, where dog owners respond better to promotional-based marketing, right? So let me get something because it's on sale where cat owners hate that. So when you actually look at the content that you share, if you share educational content related to cats, that will get far more engagement than if you were to share an educational article on, say, you know, dogs or keeping their teeth clean. The marketing opportunity is one, right? So mm-hmm. providing the education. The second thing that you so beautifully talked about is they tend to be resistant to the recommendations that you make. And there are a few things that we can do to change that. One is, again, putting on your cat mindset and understanding the cat owner persona. And I don't think this is going to be a surprise to a lot of people, but cat owners are introverts, right? Introverts do not respond well to the unknown. So imagine I was a cat and I'm in your exam room and the experience typically goes something like either you as a veterinarian or your technician or nurse starts to ask me a whole bunch of questions like, you know, you're asking me what I feed my cat. How often am I feeding it? Is my cat urinating and defecating? Okay. Are they indoor, outdoor cat? We're asking all these questions. And imagine for a second, an introverted personality just sitting there like, what is happening? Right? It's very overwhelming. (laughs) It is. But are you getting, and this is a real question, like, are you getting cat owners that are like, hmm, let me think about that? No, you're often getting, "Uh uh-huh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Most of it is I don't know. (laughs) Absolutely. And then you're like, you know, that's good enough for me. Let's go ahead and give those vaccines and call it a day. Getting them in once or twice isn't the issue. Providing the experience for the introverted personality, that's the opportunity. And so to kind of go tie back to your, your concern is if you're making a recommendation, it's really important that you spend one to two extra minutes on the education behind that recommendation. Dog owners, you can make a recommendation probably in 30 seconds and they're going to be like, you know what? I don't really understand it, but sure, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Cat owners, they appreciate that extra level of education, that extra level of why, and that extra level of how is this going to prevent disease? And so it's really important that with cat owners that we take that extra time to provide that education that they want to be able to get them to say yes to the recommendations that you're making in the exam room. 
No, there's so much to unpack right there. And again, so much of it goes back to like figuring out like who is your client that you're talking to? Like, yes, these cat owners, they, it is interesting how like the introverted person tends to have more likely have a cat and the extroverted person tends to more likely have a dog. But yeah, there's definitely um, a mindset (laughs) to these cat owners and you have to approach them differently than you would the typical dog owner where the dog's usually like bouncing around the room or doing some other weird thing. Um, Whereas the cat is usually like reclusive on the table and the client is either like on top of their cat petting it obsessively or they're just like sitting in the chair staring at you and staring at the cat and you're like, everyone's just staring at each other (laughs) right now. But the approach that you take to how you educate those two different populations of clients is going to be a little bit different, just like you mentioned. Like the cat owner wants to know a little bit more. So maybe actually like talking about with the litter box usage, really going into, okay, like how often do you think they're actually going to the box? Or maybe if they do have signs of kidney disease, saying, you know what, let's actually, we don't have the time right here right now, but I'm going to send you some emails with some more information. Like it sounds like a cat owner would be more receptive to that level of education Whereas a dog owner, which I know we're about to chat about, is going to be a little bit different. So tell us how our dog owners are different. Yeah. So again, dog owners are responding more to uh, promotion-driven claims. They're responding more to things like, if you say to a dog owner, hey, we recommend toothpaste because it's going to prevent bad breath. Dog owners are going to respond better to that because they're not really looking or have a big interest. And and it's really important to add a disclaimer here. I would still take the opportunity to talk about the true preventive-based approach here because even though cat owners respond well to it, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't do it with dog owners. But but dog owners tend to respond more to that superficial type of, of communication where you're like, hey, you should brush your dog's teeth, not because it's going to prevent dental disease, right? And again, say it, yeah. That's not going to be the one liner that's like, yeah, I'm going to purchase toothpaste and I'm going to brush my dog's teeth. It's being able to say, hey, you should brush your dog's teeth. It's going to make their breath smell better. So looking at more of those superficial type things that uh, dog owners tend to respond better to where cat owners, again, if you're like, hey, this is going to make your cat's breath smell good. They don't really care about that. They want to know that it's actually going to prevent disease. And when we think about dental month, for example, a lot of practices, February, we're going to do dental month. We're really going to focus on on this education. So just keep in mind that that dog owners, and again, great Harvard study that was conducted in, I believe, April of 2023, that was able to prove that, you know, for dog owners, let's kind of take that non-preventive based approach. A lot of practices tend to do promotions. And I'm not saying you should or you shouldn't do promotions. It, it's, you know, every practice is different. And I respect those uh, differing opinions on that matter. But if you are offering a promotion, that is going to be appealing to your dog owners. That's not going to get cat owners in. Where we have to spend a big part of our marketing strategy really communicating to cat owners what we're trying to prevent here during dental month when it comes to their cats. So just recognizing those differences. And same thing here, when we think about an opportunity with cat owners, and you talked about some digital communication, cat owners do really well when you send health questionnaires ahead of the visit than dog owners do, right? So the extroverted personality, they're just looking at, you know, they're coming into the exam room, they've got their dog, they're like, hey, we're going to chat. I haven't seen my vet in a while. I'm going to talk to them for a little bit. I don't know really what we're going to talk about with my dog. I know they're going to get vaccines. 
right? That extroverted personality, you can get them in, you can provide the best experience for them. The cat owner, on the other hand, again, because they don't do well with that, sending health questionnaires ahead of the visit. So what's great is that you can automate this communication using the communication platform that you use in practice to where if I were a cat owner and you sent me a text message and an email on an automated basis up to 72 hours ahead of our visit, studies have proven that you will have a better outcome with me because I'm able to answer those questions in the comfort of my own home. So when you're asking me, what am I feeding my cat? Or one of the questions you should ask your cat owners is, do you buy anything online and give it to your cat? I can actually think about these things. I can look in the medicine cabinet. I can look at my Amazon history. If you're like, hey, did you notice any lumps or bumps? I can talk about the other person. I can talk to the other person in my house yeah. and say, hey, you know, we did see a bump. Where was that? And I'm answering that without those pressures. Because here's the cool thing. Introverted personalities can be extroverted as long as they have time to prepare for encounter. And what these health questionnaires do is it allows the cat owner to prepare for that visit, where again, dog owners, will they appreciate it? Sure. Are they going to complete it at the rate that cat owners do? Probably not. And that's because there are two very distinct differences in those personalities. Oh my goodness. This is so much part of the reason why I say veterinary medicine is 90% people, you guys, and 10% animals. <laughs> and who knew that we were going to get a psychology lesson today? <laughs> so... <laughs> Are you a new or recent veterinary graduate? If so, listen up, my course, Soy Revet, Now What? has been put together specifically for you. We focus on the non-clinical skills, don't tune out. This is not as dull as it sounds, I promise you. In fact, almost every career problem that people face are due to not having well-developed non-clinical skills. The skills that I'm talking about are things like client communication, so you have great relationships with clients, emotional intelligence, so you've got great relationships with your teammates. Effective negotiation skills, so you can get paid what you are worth, management of imposter syndrome, and how to build formidable resilience. They're not just skills, they are prerequisites vital for success in financial and emotional well-being. This course serves as an essential stepping stone to your success. So let's take the leap together. I will be your mentor as we go through 12 modules helping you transition from being a student to being a fully rounded professional. Head to www.drdavenickel.com forward slash S-Y-A-V dash class to learn more. Now back to the show. Honestly, I never really thought about that because I know at our practice at one point we were sending out like the intake form before the appointment, but we found that it was like no one was filling them out and that no one meant that our population was majority dogs, which yeah. is honestly the truth in a lot of practices, unless of course you're a feline-only practice. But I can see how if you are in a feline-only practice, like that is a huge area that you can maybe if your practice isn't already doing it, like go to your practice manager and say, hey... I think we can provide better care to our patients and to our clients if we potentially utilize this tool. And I love the question that you ask, of like, do you buy anything online for your pet? Which, I don't know, I feel like that's just a different way of looking at the question because a lot more people are going to be like, oh, yeah, I do. I have the Amazon order right here because that is what a lot of my clients are now doing when I ask the question of, so what is fluffy eating right now? Rather than what do you feed your pet? What are they eating? And they'll be like, oh, it's that yellow bag. And I'm like, oh, did you order it online? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, go look it up. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay. <laughs> can do that right here, right now. Yeah. Um, so that is a really good way of phrasing that question that I never really thought about. 
I'm going to write that one down. <laughs> the one more question I'll challenge you to write down, and it's a really important one for cat owners. This recommendation came from a veterinarian, a feline practitioner by the name of Yuki Hakatori in Japan. And one of the things that he was studying and, and we've validated here in, in the U.S. is a question that you should ask cat owners is two questions. One is, what's your cat's nickname? And what does your cat mean to you? And the reason for this is, you know, again, dog owners, yeah, they have nicknames. Yeah, they have stories. But cat owners, this is a way for you to kind of have them let their guard down and start to open up a little bit more to you to be able to build a stronger relationship with them. And so asking them, what is your cat's nickname? And then using that in the exam room, but not villainizing it. So villainizing it or weaponizing it, sorry, is when you say... Hey, I recommend that Fluffy, your cat, get a revolution. And uh, it's important to, you know, buy a six pack. Uh, Using it in that way to get what you want isn't going to work well. But when you actually use it throughout your communication, when you use it as you address the cat owner, Mm -hmm. it's a great way to build rapport with them. And then if you have time, and I'm, I'm a big fan of this, is if they've shared a story of what their cat means to them, and most cat owners will. The story length, I will I will not mislead you, will dramatically vary. You might get a cat owner <laughs> who shares a paragraph. You might get a cat owner who writes an ebook on what their cat means to them. But usually, regardless of what that story is, it's an emotional story about a very strong bond that they have with their cat and how that cat is more so an important part of what brings them a joy and companionship. Then again, you know, we talk about dogs being man best friend. It's a much stronger bond with cat owners. And so using that story that they share with you at the end of the exam room to say something like, Mr. Garcia, I, I know what she means to you. And I can't tell you how much I appreciate that you've trusted me in caring for her, especially with all the veterinarians that we have in our community. And then something that you should say is to say something like, no one knows her better than you do. Cat owners truly feel like they know their cat on a much deeper level mm-hmm. than anyone else. And to some extent, it's true. And so even just saying that, no one knows her better than you. And so this is why it's important that if you ever notice her not acting right, that you bring it to my attention so we can work together to keep her healthy. So those little questions and, and forms of appreciation go a really long way at having cat owners start to look at you as, as a trusted source of information. Goodness, like hearing that last little segment, like as if I was the pet owner, part of me just went, oh, (laughs) 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 that emotional response. And no, as you're talking about it, because so much of like with it in human society, like storytelling is a bonding experience. And so even if they're just telling you a story about how they plucked Fluffy out of the garbage can yesterday, and that's how they found him, like that is a story that they're telling. It's that emotional response, that bonding that happens. And again, like just all those little phrases that you're saying as they're going out their door, as they're, you're walking them to the reception desk, those are those actually those really minute segments of time that are going to bond you stronger than your education or about your spiel about preventatives. Like that is, that is so, so true. And again, these are lifelong relationships that we're developing with these clients. So I'm so happy that you brought up that little segment for the end because, oh my goodness, that was like, that's like the golden nugget. I literally in my head, I was like, mic drop. <laughs> so, it's too expensive so to good. drop it. Yeah. I know, yeah. right? That's why it's on a stand right. so we don't drop it. 
Oh my goodness, so many amazing things that we've gone over in today's episode. And so Eric, thank you so much for sharing all of that. I know we're like, of course, we focus on the new grads and recent grads, but that is information that is golden for anybody at any stage in their veterinary career. Um, and so I so, so appreciate you sharing that. And again, it, it's really cool to hear it up in the talk and then also get to hear it like one on one here because it is so important. But with that, I'm going to say thank you again. I think I've said thank you like five times. But um, thank you for coming on the show today and sharing your wealth of information and your knowledge and just the joy you have for this profession. Because again, like it's a really cool environment and community that we have here. And I got to see more of that again at VMX. But I'm going to stop talking right now. But thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's really a pleasure and, and enjoy the podcast and continue to do the good work that you do and being a resource for people who are seeking to do better in what they do every day. And so it's truly been an honor to be a part of it. Thank you. Well, thank you. And we're going to have to have you back on at some point. But until next time, guys, see ya. So that's it for another show. Thank you so much to Dr. Mariah and her guests for today's tips. And if you're interested in learning more about what we do to support early stage vets in their careers, then check out my book, Sorry Vet Now What?, or non-clinical skills training class of the same name. Until next time, take care.